0: Hi, I'm Monty Sharp, and I'd like to welcome you to the Gatekeepers Initiative. What in the world is a gatekeeper, you may ask? I'm so glad you ask. The world's gatekeepers proclaim that they're protecting their community, but in reality, they're elevating themselves by denying others entrance to their community by belittling and devaluing them. God's gatekeepers protect their communities through loving devotion to those around them. They're there to encourage that which is good and reject that which brings harm. So let's take a deeper dive today in how God is calling you to be a gatekeeper. Hey, it's good to, to be with you all again. And I uh, just want to welcome you to the podcast today uh, and just reminding you that During the last two podcasts, we've uh, defined our roles as gatekeepers and talked about how Jesus has given each of us uh, our gates of influence with our family, our friends, and our neighbors through our our schools, our vocations, our churches, and culture, etc. And that if we are not guarding our gates the way that Jesus wants us to, that we will see the unraveling of the very fiber of our culture into this uh, vortex of declivity so um we want to over the next few weeks uh talk about things that will give you insight and understanding that will enable you so to speak to have more tools in your tool belt uh, as you are stepping into this role as a gatekeeper to help you to be more than a conqueror as jesus guides you and empowers you to guard your gates so today Uh, we're going to give you something really unusual it's going to be a biblical history of mankind uh, humankind if you would rather biblical history of humankind by using one word and five prefixes and for some of you you may go what in the world is a prefix because you are not an english major in school and that's understandable but let me give you a little definition of what a prefix is a prefix is a group of letters placed at the beginning of a word to modify or change its meaning, so we're going to go through five prefixes and one word. Have you guessed what the word is yet? Give you a moment. What do you think? Well, if you haven't guessed it yet, or if you have, the word that we're using today is formed. Formed. We see in Genesis one twenty six, the uh, the Lord said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." And then in Genesis two seven, it says, "Then the Lord God formed." man out of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And in Genesis 2.25, the man and his wife were naked and not ashamed. No posers, no pretenders, just pure, sweet, righteousness, healthy uh, relationship with God. Man and woman were, found, were uh, formed in the image of God, sinless. Can you imagine that? Sinless, naked, and not ashamed. Having a perfect sweet intimate relationship not only with our Creator, but with all of creation, God and humankind, and that sweet harmony. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. But then, and there's always a but, but then came the devil and convinced man and woman that what God had given them wasn't good enough. They needed something more in their life, something that uh, more than what God had given them. We see in Genesis 3. That he convinced adam and eve if they would only eat from the fruit of the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil that they could become like god they would become like god that's the original and most powerful and pernicious lie that has ever been told and man and woman believed the lie and they ate and destroyed they undid what god had done for them already and the first prefix was added to creation. And that prefix is D, D E. And it means the reversing of, the undoing of an action. And man became deformed. He became deformed. We reversed and undid what God created us to be. When Adam and Eve turned their back on God's plan for them and decided to buy into the need for something else to be mad, added to mankind, their spiritual DNA was changed, they were deformed. It's like adding a virus to a computer. Our virus, in in our particular case, is called sin, and it deforms mankind and all of creation. Adam and Eve originally formed in the image of God, imagio Deo, righteous, sinless, unashamed, in perfect harmony with all of creation and their creator. But sin reversed and undid all of it and deprived us of this, uh, this sweet, uh, wonderful, intimacy that God had designed us for. Mankind was deformed. You know, all of us, I think, have felt the sting of this one way or another. We see in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6.23, that the wages of that sin is death, separation from God. That sweet, healthy relationship was broken. And innately, we know this to be true. We, in our hearts, innately know that something is missing. It, and is woefully wrong with our relationships and in life. So we find ourselves trying to fix it on our own, still buying into the original lie that you can become as God, by trying to be the creator, and in so doing, we add the second prefix into mankind's history. You ready for it? It's per, P-E-R, which means to do, to make, to add what is missing. And so we start performing. Now, does that sound familiar? Performing, we try to recreate and reinvent ourselves by trying to add what is missing on our own. We try hard to do what we think is right to make our lives different this time, trying to change our lives and reinvent them like we would change our clothes or change our friends and jobs and bodies and abodes. We even add a little church, maybe, or a little bit of God in our lives, and it works for a little while. But performing still is never able to do enough. We can't make enough. We can't add enough. We can't do what and provide what is truly missing. Most of us suffer today from a performance orientation. Performing, trying to win God's approval, man's approval, but still falling woefully short. Isaiah 64, 6 uh, says, Our righteous works are as filthy rags. Interesting word, the filthy rags when you look at it in the original language, we see that it actually was a reference to a woman's minstrel rag. It'd be like a used cotex. I know that sounds pretty, pretty vivid, uh, but that's exactly the way that, that God had it written. He's saying that's what he thinks about our righteous works. They're as, filth- as filthy rags. James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the entire law, the whole law, and stumbles on one point has become guilty of all of it. And Romans 6.23 says that the wages of that sin is death, separation from God. Genesis 3.7 tells us that Adam and Eve knew they were naked. They knew they were missing something. They were ashamed. They tried to sew fig leaves together to cover themselves in their sin. And we're still trying to do the same thing today. So Jesus, by his grace, and that's exactly what it is, decided to send us a truth. That would change everything for the better. And that added the third prefix to mankind in history. And that is re-re- R-E, which means again, anew, over again. And we get reformed. Formed again. A new. Formed over again. And the truth is that there's only one that can actually do that, and that's Jesus, because he is the only creator and recreator. We see in John 3:16, for God so loved this world. That he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus. That whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we put our faith in Jesus and His salvation, we're born again, John 3.3. 3. We're made new creations, 2 Corinthians 5 17, having our sin removed as far as the east is from the west, to be remembered no more. Psalm 103, verse 12. We've been justified just as if we never sinned, Romans 5.9, and made righteous. First John 1, 9, because he who has the Son has the life, the life, the good life, the right life, the reformed life, the holy life. We see that in First John 5:12. That's what happens when we receive Jesus. He reforms us, placing again his divine imprint, imago Deo, upon our lives and our relationships. It's his work on the cross that did this did what we could not do on our own. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says it well, for by grace we have been saved. Through faith, it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works. lest anyone should boast. Is that good news or what? I don't know about you, but that's awesome news for me. Formed again by the grace of God, his sacrifice on the cross for you and for me. Very cool. Very, very cool. And that's where most of us are today. Yay. But, and there's another one of those buts. It's often not how we actually feel. If we're honest, we still feel deformed. So even after receiving God's gift of salvation, being reformed, we're still performing, trying to add what is missing, holding to a form of godliness but denying the power therein. See that in 2 Timothy 3.5. There's still a problem, and yet there's a very clear solution. So let's start with the problem, which is our fourth prefix. And that is con, C-O-N, which means to be with or together. It also means to be deceived. We get conformed. Conform to, it means to act in accordance with a certain set of mores and rules and customs. And herein lies the shortcoming of God's church and his followers and his gatekeepers more times than not today. We have been positionally reformed into the image of God, trusting in his grace alone. Yet we're still buying into the lie of performance, believing that somehow we are responsible for winning God's approval for our righteousness and our justification, being generally good enough to make it into heaven and be accepted in the church and in our families and those around us. But to make it more palatable, seeming more spiritual, we no longer call it performing. Now we call it conforming, acting in accordance with the rules and the customs and the mores of whoever acts the most spiritual in our group making sure the outside of the cup and the tomb looks good but never dealing with the most important part of man and that's our hearts for it's the heart that is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick jeremiah 17:9 says it's the heart that needs to be renewed and it's a new heart that Jesus gives us at the time that we were reformed into new creatures ezekiel 11:19 and 20 so it's jesus the new heart that he has given us, that needs to be our focus. That's where our focus needs to be, not on trying to conform to the rules and the regulations of the things around us. First Samuel 16, 6 reminds us that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The heart. When we are buying into the whole notion of conformity and the importance of conforming in our church and, and with the people around us, we not only affect our own lives, but we affect the lives of our children. Many years ago, I mean, for the last several decades, I've had youth pastor friends and national organizations facing the question, why do we lose students when they leave home and go to college? Why do so many of them drop away from Jesus? I believe with all my heart, it lies in this prefix and this con job Uh, that has swindled them in the church for so many years. You see, we have taught our children that the highest possible value is to conform, to conform to our mores and our ideals and our beliefs. And, And because of that, they go, wow, yeah, that's what we want to do. But when they leave our covering and they go to college and they find themselves empty and alone, they find themselves not fitting in. And all of a sudden they innately go, wait a minute. What I'm supposed to be doing is conforming. And so they start conforming to a whole new set of ideals and beliefs, a whole new system, whole new mores. And we wonder why they walk away from Jesus. Not so good, huh? So what's a solution? Well, that that solution takes us to the last and the most important prefix. You ready for it? Do I hear a drum roll? Yeah, good. That last one is trans. T-R-A-N-S. We need to be transformed. It means to be crossing to the other side, to change completely. Transformed is to change the form of, the nature of, the character of, the function of. That's changing the heart and mind in us. And that's exactly what Paul commands us to do in Romans 12:2. Do not be conformed to this world. And all of its debilitating prefixes, if I want to paraphrase that, that only leads to declivity. But rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, the heart and the mind are intertwined in Scripture. And in fact, references to the heart usually talk about not just our feelings and emotions, but also our thoughts and our minds. So when we were reformed, we received a new heart as a gift of salvation from Jesus. And with it, he reminds us that if we're truly going to be transformed to cross over to the other side, really see changes in our lives and our nature and our character and and, and the very way that we function, then we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus because he is the bridge over this deep chasm. He is the way to life abundantly. He is the only one that can can make me into a new creature and a new creation. He's the only one that can transform me. And it's also why we need to listen to Proverbs 4.23 where it says, to watch over our hearts and our minds with all diligence. And Ephesians 5:26, where it talks about uh, being washed by the water of the word, because it's the only way that we're going to find ourselves being transformed. Remember, Jesus tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, that as a man thinks within himself, so is he. If I'm not thinking about Jesus and the changes that he wants to make in my life, thinking about the truth that he gives us, through His Word, thinking about the 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 purpose and the plans and the ways that He has for us, then I'm going to find myself getting so easily sucked back into performance uh, conformity, and we will always end up in that vortex of declivity if we stay there. So, how do we get it? How practically can we go about seeing this happen? How do we find this transformation going on in our lives, that complete change in character and conduct? How do you get the air out of a glass? I think you've heard me say that before. You fill it with something else. And I think it's the same thing here. The battle is being fought over our minds on who or what's gonna have access to them. And that's gonna be the difference between performance and transformation, from conformity and transformation, from victory or defeat. Proverbs 23, seven, again, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. 2 Peter 2.19, second half of that verse, for by what a man is overcome, by this he's enslaved. 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold the glory of Jesus, he transforms us into his image. My brothers and sisters, we need to set our minds and our thoughts again on Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 said to fix our eyes upon him, he's the author and finisher of our faith. We see in Matthew 6.33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And who is the king? Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the rest will be added unto us. Jesus transforms us as we put our focus on him. And that means, how do we do that? We get in his word on a daily basis. He tells us in John eight thirty one and 32, if I abide in his word, I'm truly his follower. I'll know the truth and the truth will set me free. Free. To experience transformation in my life. 2 Corinthians 5:17, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's transformation. Receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior reforms us. But we need to know in our hearts and our minds what Jesus is calling us to do, how he's calling us to live, how he's calling us to abide, what that truth is. And that comes, my brothers and sisters, by being in the word on a regular basis. And that's one of the hardest things we do in life. The enemy is working overtime on us. How many times have you thought and had a thought pop into your head? Hey, come, you need to go open the Bible. Spend some time with Jesus. What follows it immediately, almost every time? Some kind of discouraging, delaying tactic from the enemy. Oh, dude, you're too hungry right now. You know, I mean, this is really important stuff, being with Jesus. You need to go eat something and then come back later. And you never come back. Or, right, you know, I, you're tired. You're so tired. You're exhausted. You need to be sleeping right now. Then you'll be able to get into the word and, and feel more, you know, feel better about it. Of course, if a friend calls you at that moment and says, Hey, you want to go, you know, and hang out and do something? And you go, Yeah, I'm all over it. Not too tired for that. You see, the enemy will work overtime trying to take our focus off of Jesus. And if he does, then he wins. So we've got a battle like n- never before, to find ourselves taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ, as it as it talks about in 2 Corinthians ten five, considering ourselves dead to our sin and to the enemy's um, ability to be able to influence us, and alive to Christ Jesus. We see that in Romans six eleven. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians three eighteen. It says. But we all, that's talking about us, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Guys, Jesus has a heart and a desire for us to be his gatekeepers. But we'll never accomplish that if we find ourselves stuck in conformity. It's time to, ladies, I want to use this term, but includes for you too, to man up, to warrior up, to be strong and courageous and start manning our gates. But we need to man them with the greatest weapon that God's given us. And that's the truth of his word. Because as we fix our eyes upon Jesus, as we meditate on his word, it makes us wiser than all of our counselors. As we're focused on His Word, it transforms us. It changes us. It gives us the image of God, the Imago Deo, in our lives. So let's battle through those feelings that would discourage us from turning the pages, blowing the dust off the Bible, and take a deeper dive in that. And for some of us, that's going to be a new experience. It feels kind of weird and like we don't really know exactly what's being said there. My encouragement to you is. As you're starting to read the Word, find a study Bible. That'd be a great thing to be able to do. I happen to have a Ryrie study Bible that I've carried for like 40 years. I started when I was three. And if you believe that, I, well, anyway. Um, so I've got this, this study Bible that really opened my eyes up. I, when I was reading, when I first sold out to Jesus, I didn't know a lot of these things and understand them. I looked down into the, the notes, and so many times it really explained what was going on. or. Uh, Another way I found that when you don't really necessarily know exactly what it's talking about, try reading through it two or three times, maybe even in a different translation, uh, like maybe a paraphrase, like New Living Bible, in addition to what you're using. It will help open your eyes because it's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to be your teacher in this. And if all this fails and you're still struggling with it, hey, talk to your pastor. Send a note to us. Let us know. You can do that by emailing us at Monty, M O N T Y, at s. V, as in Sam Victor, Temecula.org. Email us your questions. If you've got something along that line, we'd love to be able to answer them for you. Remember, Zechariah four six. it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. My brothers and sisters, we can't do any of this. The Lord's reminding us the highest mountain we climb in life is getting over ourselves. And there's only one way for that to happen, and that's by putting our focus back on Jesus, opening His Word on a daily basis so that we can be the gatekeepers that God calls us to be, so we can use the truth of His Word to be able to set others free our kids, our spouses, people we work with, our family, the neighbors around us. So let me review. We were formed into the image of God. Then we suffered being deformed, trying to perform. Hopefully finding the opportunity to be reformed, stuck back into that perform, only now calling it conformed, and hopefully we've discovered what it means to be transformed through our relationship with Christ. Where are you in all those prefixes of life and death? If you haven't been reformed by putting your faith in Jesus, you know, it's just a simple, heartfelt prayer away. It's not complicated. It's just simply crying out to Jesus. You can do that right now with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need to be saved by you. Will you come into my life and save me? Lord, will you reform me into your image? Come have your way, Lord Jesus. You prayed that prayer. You meant it. Jesus is alive and well in your life. You're already on the road to being reformed into the image of God, imago Deo. And for the rest of us, that so many of us are going to be stuck in this being conformed routine. It's just basically still performing. If that's you, how do you get separated from that? Same way. It's a matter of going to Jesus to begin with. And simple prayer again. You can join me with it if that's you. Lord Jesus, I am so sorry that I have been buying in to the original lie that life and holiness and righteousness are somehow about me. Forgive me, Lord. So come help me, Lord Jesus. Come be my strength. Come transform me into your image. Lord, set me free to be able to walk with you, to be transformed, to see you using me to change the world around me. Lord, I want to be that gatekeeper that you called me to be. So transform me and give me a hunger, an absolute insatiable hunger for your word, Lord, that I would be in it on a daily basis. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you prayed one of those prayers today. If you did, you're on the road to an exciting, awesome journey. And we hope that we will be able to continue to help you on that uh, through our next podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss another episode of Monty Sharp and the Gatekeepers Initiative. Don't forget, each of us has our gates of influence in our lives that can radically change the world around us. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm looking forward to being with you again next time. May the Lord richly and wonderfully bless you.